0: All right, everybody, welcome to Real Live Talk. I'm blessed and honored that you're here. And I'm really excited today to have the opportunity to chat with Ryan Ermeling. Uh, Ryan is an entrepreneur with a passion to see the people of God equipped to carry out their mission. But uh, (laughs) we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, Just a little bit of background. In 2003, Ryan founded Stretch Internet in his garage, by the way. And uh, grew it into the largest streaming provider in the collegiate athletic space servicing more than 40 percent of the market in 2017 stretch made the inc 5000 list for uh, one of the fastest growing privately held companies in the united states and then uh sold it in the very next year right (laughs) in pursuit of a calling to help kingdom-minded organizations to build momentum and maximize potential So through his consulting company, Seven Marches, Ryan is using concepts from the business world to provide tools, resources and strategies to help churches, missional nonprofits, Christian schools, Christian leaders, just doing all kinds of amazing things, um, providing all kinds of value and, and so much more uh in the in the works and still to come and everything so i could keep going but uh i I think that's enough for now let's jump into it and uh ryan truly honored to be speaking with you today so thank you so much for being here
1: Dude, great to be with you i appreciate uh the invite um i I know your your show is just uh getting started relatively over the last couple of months but uh great to be one of your early guests and uh i think in a few years i'll be saying hey i was one of the first people on this huge famous show that uh is reaching hundreds and thousands of people.
0: So, um, glad to be part of it. Come on. Well, that's the goal. That's the hope. So, <laughs> so yeah, I really appreciate you. And yeah, we just connected uh, a few months back, right. Uh, just kind of talking yeah. about some projects and things that you're working on, which I'm excited to get into. Um, kind of want to maybe, uh, we've got some time, so maybe slow burn this a little bit. I want to, I'd love to talk a little bit about some of your background and how you sort of founded stretch internet to begin with, and then how you, you know, eventually transitioned into what you're doing now and really uh, just providing all kinds of value uh, to the body of Christ. Uh, but if we, go, if we go way back, you were broadcasting on the internet like before it was cool, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I, I'd like to say if I if had been about four or five years earlier, I would have been Mark Cuban because he, you know, he made yeah. his first four billion or whatever it was when he sold a company called Broadcast.com. Uh, to Yahoo. And yeah. he, he was really the pioneer of, of online audio streaming. And uh, so we, I kind of piggybacked off that idea. Uh, like you said, 2003, you say that out loud, that feels like forever ago, um, right? But, uh, was was working in a, a college athletic department in California, and we just needed a good in-house solution that wasn't expensive to try to broadcast. Uh, at that point, it was just audio. It wasn't even video streaming yet. Yeah. It was just audio of our athletic events uh, online. And I I uh, knew enough about some, some Apple technology at the time, wasn't a, you know, i not an engineer, I'm a communications guy, but uh, okay. played around with, with some different uh, components and software and hardware and came up with this pretty cool solution to uh, to broadcast our events and uh, did that for a year before I even, so this, this I, I call myself an, entre- an accidental entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> we, I did that for a year, didn't even think about, hey, you know, other people might be able to utilize this and had a couple people. Over the course of that year, look at what we were doing and say, hey, you should market this, man. There's, there's mm. the other, other colleges, other schools that could use this type of service and, and platform. And so uh, at that point, I was like, okay, let's give that a shot. And, and uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. So it was a, the start of a, a fun 15-year journey um, uh, until I sold that business about three years ago.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So you say when you say an accidental entrepreneur, I, I totally get what you mean. But I would imagine that any anybody like you who ventured out in the way that you did early on, again, like getting into uh, the a type of market that I mean, Today, it's easy to start a podcast. It's easy to do like these different things because there are so many tools. But if it hadn't been for people like you that were around in those early days, like in the early 2000s, and really paved the way with some of these platforms and and the services that were provided, I mean, I just feel like you were uh, around during that time, where again, maybe not somewhat, not necessarily, maybe not in the Cuban wave, but like right, sort of on the on the heels of that. And uh, really stepping out into a sector of, of the market and a sector of business that was very much underdeveloped at the time. So I, I bring it up to say, you know, I would imagine that you had some entrepreneurial tendencies and and mindset and stuff like that. Did you have an idea like before, you know, when you sort of accidentally, quote unquote, stumbled into the area that you that you got into with stretch Um would you say that like you prior to that, did you have aspirations to sort of do something on your own or did you do have any kind of entrepreneurial tendencies growing up or anything like that? Or where was your sort of mindset around all of that?
1: Yeah. I I, I don't know that I had these, these aspirations to do anything on my own and in, in terms of, of entrepreneurial traits or tendencies. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it de- depends how you define those. Um, I've always been somebody that, um, I, uh, you know gets excited by creating something that people mm-hmm. enjoy or can can use i mean so I, I remember when i was probably eight ten years old i started i don't know why i remember the name of it even but i started something uh from my family called poet art p-o-e-t and i called it pictures of everything and i would just draw these random pictures and uh-huh. try to sell them to family and friends right so i guess <laughs> there, there's a little tiny Element of entrepreneur uh, spirit in, in that story, right? So yeah, um, for sure. You know, so i I, I've always enjoyed the idea of creation, um, not necessarily creating companies or concepts or ideas, but even um, you know, big part of my my job in college athletics was designing media guides and and mm. um, posters. So there's there's an element of creation, right? There's an element of thought and 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 bringing something. To life that didn't exist previously. So, yeah. in that sense, I think I had some of that spirit, but but I never really had this idea that I want to go out on my own, start my own business, do my own thing. That just kind of evolved, and I think um, God created this this opportunity and and put, to put the right people in my life and in my space to kind of mm. say, hey, over here, you know, this is this is here, um, you know, pursue it. Uh, but but it, it took some prompting and some pushing for me to really go down that road.
0: You know, what, I actually love that because, you know, I've I've heard it said from some really big shot, you know, entrepreneurs and people that are uh, doing amazing things in the business world. I've heard it said that, you know, you have to be a certain kind of way in order to really succeed as an entrepreneur. You know, they throw around this term like you know a lot of people are entrepreneurs, <laughs> And there's a there's a lot of that going around today, too. Like entrepreneurship is kind of like, you know, it's kind of sexy. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of, you know, people like the idea of, oh, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, and they don't really know exactly what it means because there's typically a lot of grind involved in that lifestyle. But I love the fact that you maybe do didn't have like a ton of of that in your background and then just based on the leading of the lord that you know and sensing that he was shifting you and transitioning you and uh and and just you know sort of being willing to step into that when you were already established you know in what you were doing and um i think you had a had a really cool job as an sid i'm sure i'm sure that was a lot of fun and stuff like that but just sort of recognizing the shifting season of your life and being willing to pursue it and sometimes it's those like simple just steps of faith those simple steps of obedience and just kind of going after something like I think that that's really inspiring for for people um, like like me who I didn't grow up you know I maybe had a couple of those experiences when I was a kid I remember we would like take balloons and we would make them into we would like stress balls were a big thing when I was when I was a kid, like (laughs) fifth, sixth grade. And so we started a little business making stress balls out of balloons and like (laughs) sand and flour and like trying to find different things. And we take them to school and we'd sell them. It was short lived, but just like stuff like that. But very, very, very small scale. But I didn't really have those super like entrepreneurial traits. But then when I got older and I've been in pastoral ministry for a while and stuff like that, I started to really become passionate about, creating stuff, like you said, and content creation and podcasting and different things, because I just want to get resources out there to to help other people grow. And so, you know, sort of the, the way you just described yourself is really inspiring to somebody like me that is, hold on, you don't necessarily, you don't have to fit into a certain mold. Just go by what God is calling you to do, what you're passionate about, go after your dreams and uh, as long as it's you, then it's going to work out, you know, um, as long as yeah. it's you. And as long as you put in the work and you, uh, you know, go after it and don't quit too soon and <laughs> all of that, then uh, then it's going to work out. So, yeah, I, th- I think what you're saying there is uh, is inspiring. And,
1: and I love something you touched on. Uh, you know, I think one of the traits of an entrepreneur that I did have is the idea of experimentation right? You, mm. you mentioned these stress balls, right? Love it. And flour, sand. And, and so you kind of had to figure out what, what works best. And you probably came up with different different versions and renditions of this thing until you, you got some, oh, yeah, this is kind of what we want, right? And so I think experimentation, whether it's in ministry and trying new things and saying, hey, what works, what doesn't, whether it's in business, I, I mean, especially in the early stages of business. If I go back to my days at Stretch, I mean, so much of it was experimentation, right? And testing and validating and 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 listening and trying to understand from from the customer what you know, what do they like what don't they like what works what doesn't and yeah so I think that experimentation piece is a huge trait uh, of an entrepreneur and something that you just you just got to be willing to go out there and try new things
0: yeah absolutely and I think people get bogged down so often by by that especially I, I find that creative people tend to get bogged down because maybe they have different things that they're passionate about, different things that they want to do. And maybe they have this thing in their mind that says, oh, well, I got to choose one thing or I have to do this. And I think that kids grow up like the whole college thing and trying to find out what am I supposed to major in? And you're trying to figure that out when you're 17, (laughs) like trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And it's so funny that the stuff that I actually went to college for, like I never did it. I mean I went I went to a, a ministry, you know, training school, but I studied youth ministry. Uh it was like my my the the heavy focus of my program. And I never became a youth pastor or anything like that, you know, but it's just it it's uh you're allowed to pivot. You're allowed to shift. You're allowed to try things and taste different things. You're allowed to be passionate about something like right now for this season of your life. And then it's allowed to shift and evolve. And it's okay to try different things. And, and if you're somebody who has like a ton of things in your mind that you want to do and you're so confused trying to figure out what should I do, like don't let it bother you so much. Just pick something. Go for it. Give it a shot. Try it. Just like take those simple steps and then see what happens. Sometimes it's like you have to sort of get moving and get that momentum going so that other things can come your way. And if you just sit there waiting for everything to make sense and line up and all of that, then you're going to be sitting there for a really, really long time.
1: (laughs) That's a great point. And, you know, my mind goes right to a story that's shared by by Todd Bolsinger in a book called Canoeing the Mountains. And Mm. for any church leader out there listening to this read Canoeing the Mountains, uh, if you haven't yet. It's an incredible book about um, the, the ability to adapt, to change. Um, you know, It's called Canoeing the Mountains because he talks about Lewis and Clark and this mission okay. they had to, to get all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Um, and uh, they, they had their canoes, and so they were going to follow this, this body of water and get to the Pacific Ocean, and they ran into this thing called the Rocky Mountains, right? yeah and, and so how do you now what and so they had to adapt and figure out how to get across the Rocky Mountains right so um but he tells a story Todd in, in there and this is to your point that you know he left his job in in, in a parish uh, to go I think to uh Fuller Seminary and he was creating this new program there this new um track there and like on the first day one of his mentors there came up and, and I'm paraphrasing this so it's it's not an exact retelling but his one of his mentors came up and said hey i want you to fail quickly at this so you can get to to what is your plan b and then fail at that so you can get to your plan c so we can eventually get to what god's plan a is right and this, so this whole idea that yeah you, you might think you know exactly what you want to do you might go into college so i'm going to major in this in my first three years i'm going to do this and then i'm going to but you know, God, God's ways are so different than ours, right? His thoughts are, yeah. are higher than ours. And so for us to be arrogant enough to think that, hey, I'm going to plan out exactly what these next few years look like, rather than, than, to your point, being able to pivot and, and to enjoy the pivot, right? And say, okay, great. You know, that God might be leading me in a new direction. I'm going to explore this. And yeah. so I think that whole idea of of allowing God to show us how these different points in time are connecting and to be able to, Just how the flexibility and freedom to follow that path is is liberating.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, business books is this really small book. It's called Go for No. Are you you familiar uh, with that at all? But I I worked in the um, financial. A lot of people don't even know this about me. I've worked in the financial services industry for for years, and uh, I don't do a whole lot anymore. But I, you know, I'm still you know licensed to sell insurance products and and do some things like that and help with retirement and. And all that. I, I just kind of dabble these days. But I um, there, there's this book that they really highly recommended when I joined up with this one company. And uh, the book is called Go for No. And the whole concept of the book is like, you know, if you're you're trying to put deals together, you're trying to find clients, you're trying to find meetings and, you know, all these different things. Uh, their focus of the book is like, don't if you look at it like, okay, I need ten people to tell me yes. I need to set ten appointments. I, like, I need to do this, and that's your focus. Then, um, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you're not making the goal quickly enough, then you can start to get discouraged and think there's something wrong with you. So they come at it from the other side. They say go for no. They're like, how many nos can you get? How many people <laughs> can I go at, like? How many people can I get on the phone with uh, that can tell me no? They don't want to meet with me today. You know, because I know that after I get so many no's that there's going to be some yeses in there as well. Mm. And so they sort of not that like uh, well, anyway. Yeah. So so their concept that that they try to teach is uh, just go after the activity of of doing what you need to do and don't rely so much on the results. I think it's important to measure results and, and to do all that. But I think that especially when you're starting out with something. If you focus too heavily on the results, you can start to think that you're a failure if it's not working out quickly enough. But you can focus on things that you can control. What can I control? What can I do right now? And so I love the way that that translates into into faith and into following God and and going after his plan for our lives because it's like, okay, um, what can I do right now? What can I do today to take a small step of faith in that direction that you've called me to go? And I'm not trying to evaluate my life today based on, you know, this big plan that you've given me, I use that as my sort of focal point. I use that as sort of something that helps me to be anchored and stay on track. But uh, ultimately, like, it comes down to those small decisions that I'm making today that are all going to accumulate to help me eventually get to that point of accomplishing, you know, the bigger picture of the assignment. And so, you know, I just uh, it was one of those books that had a big impact on me in terms of, uh, you know, business was, you know, just sometimes just go for the go for the stuff that you can actually control, you know, go after that stuff. And then, you know, don't worry so much about what's working out or not working out in the short term, in the long term. I think obviously there comes a time to evaluate and see, okay, what have we done wrong? What can we do better? Of course. But in in the short term, like just get moving and go for it. Yeah, you know, I, I,
1: I love that. I, I you know I think it's a philosophy that I, I I use with my team when I was at Stretch. Our sales team specifically, we didn't have sales quotas. Mm. Uh, what I set for well, my team were were contact quotas, activity quotas. So so we didn't measure. Of course, we measured. You know, how many deals we closed, et cetera. But I didn't sure. necessarily hold our sales team accountable for that. What I held them accountable for was okay, how many follow up calls did you make? Right? How many mm. new leads did you nurture today? How many emails did you send out? Uh, you know, those are, to your point, those are things you can control, right? Yeah. You can't always control, even though the, the salesman with an ego, which is pretty much every salesperson, right? Yeah. They, <laughs> they like to think that I can control whether you say yes or no. But at the end of the day, you can't that is a decision that that's in their court and all you can do is control the activities leading up to that and and trust the results will take care of themselves if you put in that that early work and that, that yeah focus. Um, so it's it's a it's a great great uh, I, I'm surprised I haven't heard of that book because it sounds very similar to that that kind of uh, approach but uh, I'll have to put that on my list
0: yeah it's 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 pretty cool I've read it a few times and it's a really short read you can read it in a, in one sitting or two at two at the most it's it's really it's a really simple read but um yeah and and the thing is the the what you learn in the process of actually putting putting your feet in motion like because if if you just sit there and wait until you have everything till you have all the resources until things line up like you're sitting there and it's one thing to do research but it's another thing to get out there and actually actually take steps and to do the work and even if things are not fully coming into fruition the, what you're learning in the process of of going after it is so valuable you know even if whatever we're talking about if we're talking about business or whatever like even if you blow some deals even if you mess some things up you don't you know do everything with the greatest poise what's happening is even in that process you're not failing because you're learning, you know, and you're getting experience. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that that is so much more valuable. The actual experience, um, even when things don't work out perfectly, that actual experience is so much better than, um, like it's, it's just, it's more valuable typically than what you could get just by studying, waiting, all that kind of stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. No, perfection is the enemy of progress, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's this, you don't have to sit around and and wait till everything's perfect. I mean, I I even found myself doing that with, with a a new, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, but a a product or service we're launching. And I was working on the website and the, and the the branding and the messaging. And I just found myself trying, looking over the nuance of every single word. I'm like, okay, enough of this, man. You just got to launch and go and and get feedback and change as you go. But if you sit around there and just try to, try to, to wait for all the stars to perfectly align and make sure thing everything is perfect, you're not going to get that feedback and that experience and, and and that that real-time data back to help inform, okay, what next? How do we change? How do we adjust? How do we move forward? So, yeah, great.
0: Yeah, I love it. I want to go back a little bit further. Can we, uh, you, you grew up, sure. um, you've got uh, pretty deep roots in the in the Lutheran church, right? You grew up, your dad was a Lutheran pastor. We just um, lost probably like 80% of our audience, you mentioned listening. <laughs> ah, I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they left because of that, they didn't need to be here to begin with. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, one what, one of my favorite things about, about this podcast, one of the big reasons why I started this podcast is because I want to talk to all kinds of different people and I want to get across some of like the denominational lines. Like I'm one of those weird Christians in like the, the Pentecostal, you know, charismatic kind of kind of sector, if I had if I had to label it our church is non-denominational but um you know like i grew up i grew up that way and i just love i i man i think that denominations like that if we allow those things to become barriers to to brotherhood and to you know being family in the body of christ then like there's something fundamentally wrong with our thinking Neither and so you right yeah, yeah come on so yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm excited to, yeah, I just, I just wanted to bring that up because I wanted to just hear a little bit about, uh, yeah, sure. what that was like growing up as a PK and, uh, yeah, all I, that. Yeah.
1: I, I love my Lutheran heritage. Um, you know, I, I, I've come over the years to become, um, more mature in my faith and my walk. And to your point, realize that I'm a Christian first, I'm a follower of Jesus first and I'm a Lutheran second, um. You know, but but I yeah I come from uh, and still am a Missouri Synod Lutheran. You know, there's different flavors obviously of Lutheranism as there are many other mm-hmm. denominations. Yeah. And uh, my dad was a actually a second career pastor. He was a, a Lutheran teacher um, until I was five years old. And I remember uh, heading out to St. Louis for for a couple years where he studied the, at the, the seminary out there. And then and then uh, for the rest of my childhood, you know, uh, didn't, we didn't move a ton. He was at one church I think for in southern california for about seven years and then out to phoenix for about 12 and so i, I did okay. my junior high and high school years in phoenix um mm. uh, but uh um and then you know uh continued my you know went to concordia university in irvine which is a missouri Synod lutheran institution and and have been involved in in lutheran churches ever since and our family's active in that so yeah we're we're uh you know love the heritage love love uh, our doctrine but love more than anything that, that, um, you know, you and I can have this kind of conversation and, and, and get to the, the heart of what matters, which is, is Jesus. Right. And what does it mean to be a follower yeah. of Jesus? And let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about and celebrate some of those differences of, of, denominational backgrounds, but, but let's not let them be a barrier to, uh, to the great commission, right. And, and banding together as brothers in Christ to make sure that more people hear about the good news of Jesus
0: yeah, man, I love it so much. And I mean, without the Lutheran heritage, like none of us would be doing what we're doing. Um, the, you know the the fact of going going against the uh, going against the 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 church of the day and like the excesses of the church and and all yeah. of that and being willing to, to just kind of take that step out and and start the the movement, the Protestant movement that was birthed out of out of um, Martin Luther's actions way back then in the fifteen hundreds, yeah. and uh, you know, bringing the focus back to grace, to salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, yes. and and uh, just away from this extra stuff of oh you got to pay for this, you got to like come on. Yeah. So yeah, I it's it's awesome. Was was grace? Well, I know. Uh, we growing up and 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 today um, was grace and is grace a big focal point in terms of I mean do you remember like your sermons that your dad used to preach growing up and stuff like that was was that just uh, you know very common theme throughout Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean it, it, it very much, uh, and I'm not sure if this is uh, you know another Lutheran denominations as well, but at least in Missouri Synod, I mean it, it, you know every every quote unquote good pastor measures their their messages, measures their services by was their equal long gospel, right? And and so having that balance, making sure that that uh, that you hear first that that hey we're we're all sinners, we've all fallen short. Um there's there's a need for a savior, but then making sure that message is followed up with, with an equal amount of Jesus loves you, uh you know, God loved you enough to send his his son into this world to die for you. And it, it's through that sacrifice, through that that sacrificial love um that you are forgiven and there's mm. nothing you can do um which is a blessing and 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 that that incredible mercy that you showed us um so yeah that 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 message of grace is loud and clear um uh maybe maybe so, at, at some points uh to a fault right um <laughs> you know i lutherans at least missouri sin lutherans love ephesians 2 verse 8 it's by grace you've been saved through faith you know etc. yeah but but we often don't look at verse nine, which talks about okay, great, now there's these awesome works that have already been created in advance for you to do, right? So mm. so that's one area where I, I've I've seen uh oh, did you lose me here?
0: I can still hear you. <laughs> okay, let's uh let so uh this video back
1: here. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think it switched cameras, but I can see you now.
1: Okay, I'm gonna try to I'm sorry about that.
0: Oh, you're fine. Let's
1: see it. If- we can get this rolling again here right in the middle of a great soliloquy here. i know right <laughs>
0: uh, uh well while you're while you're working on that let me uh let me kind of pick up yeah um yeah no let's yeah, let, there, there we we finish that that thought yeah go you know, for it yeah you're back it, so go it's, for it. this whole
1: idea that um you know we we've been created and, and by our god uh to do these works right and these works aren't uh, in an effort to earn our salvation, they're in a response um, of gratitude for our salvation, right? Yeah. So, I think that's that's one thing, and you know, that I would love Lutherans to focus even more on is, is not to shortchange or short circuit the the blessing and the gift of grace, but to really look at what's that response out of that grace. Now, where what are we called to do, and how are we called to serve and love and share um, out of that response to to that grace?
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I'm I'm of the persuasion that I don't I don't think there's too you could talk about grace too much because because when when we really understand what grace is, what the grace of God is and what the grace of God does. Uh, all right. Well, we lost Ryan. I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> I'm not going to lose this point, but I'm sure Ryan will be back in just a second. There we go. He's back already. Uh, let me get him back up here on the screen. There we go. Can you hear me?
1: technology. Sorry about that, dude. No, yes, it's crazy. I <laughs> no, I,
0: I, I can tell it's, we're good now. We got, we got those out of the way and now we're, now we're good to go. Uh, see the devil's now, working hard to, we're talking about <laughs> grace and all of a sudden soon we, as we start talking issues, about grace, so. man. <laughs> ah, as soon as we get on the grid. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, I was just saying that, um, I think that it's all, it's all about the grace of God. Like when we when we understand what grace is and what grace does and what grace has made available to us, so so many people look at grace as this thing that allows you to sin or gives you permission to sin or gives you permission to... Um, make excuses for your faults and, and your mistakes and all that kind of stuff. Grace doesn't do that at all. Grace actually empowers righteousness. Grace empowers you to live the way that God has created you to live because the fact that we're under that we're under grace that we've come into this new covenant of grace, then what that means is that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. and and so, the fact that it's based on grace and it's not based on my works, like my works don't get me closer to God. But also, faith without works is dead. So it's not that works that we that we're not um, that we don't have requirements. We don't have these things that we're supposed to do. We all know the things we're supposed to do. But the thing about it is that grace actually empowers you to do it, but from a place where it's not just you in your own strength trying to accomplish all these things so that you can be pleasing to God. No, you are pleasing to God because of what Jesus did for you. He brought you to the Father by his by His obedience, by his sacrifice on the cross. And so now we we are in that place. We start our our life in Christ, our life in the Spirit. We start in that place. And now, as you said, grace is like, now we, we're walking in grace. Okay, how do we respond to that? So my life becomes a response to what he did for me rather than me trying to do all these things to live up to something or to measure up to something, you know?
1: Well said. It's funny, you know, because Lutherans are all about grace, but I think I heard one of the best sermons I've ever heard on grace a couple months ago by a a non-Lutheran pastor, Louis Giglio, who I'm sure you're, you're familiar with. Um, uh, every now and then we'll, we'll pull up, uh, passion city online and, and, and watch. I, I just like Louie. I think he's, he's, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus centric, but just has a way of, of illustrating points and, and biblical concepts. And he, he had a message that was about grace and, and his, uh, visual for the day was a treadmill. And so he got on the treadmill during the message and was walking and walking and walking and, and he got That's off. It cool. was like, Hey, guess what? I spend all that time walking and I'm still in the same exact place. And, and, and that's the whole concept of, of the, you know, trying to think that, that my, my efforts are going to get me somewhere in this, this, this salvation game. Right. You're not going to get one foot forward uh, by trying to do it on your own. Right. It's so good. It's, it's purely through the grace of God. So um, yeah, I love it.
0: So good. Uh, did you, did you enjoy, I'm going to steal that by the way. <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that illustration. It's so cool. Well, it's it's Louie's. Yeah. Did you, um, go, did you enjoy church growing up? Like, did you like being a pastor's kid? Was there, you know, any Yeah, kind
1: of- I, I did. I did. I was never, you know, sometimes you hear this whole idea that pastor kids are rebels and that they, they have this moment, yes. maybe, <laughs> maybe completely turning away from their faith or just for a moment in time where they, they, yeah. kind of, I need to, you know, enough of this. And I never had that, you know, um, Obviously church was, I'll say a required part of our life. I mean, we were there every Sunday and didn't really have a choice and, you know, but, but, um, that's where my friends were, you know, I, I had great, uh, youth ministers and, and teachers and people that, that, that made, made your faith come alive and it never felt like something you had to do. And and it was taught well and, and exposited well. And, and, uh, so yeah, it, it was, it was. You know, I, I can't point back to a moment where I had a faith crisis or where mm. I was like, "Forget this." And in some in some ways, it's funny. You hear people who, in, in Duke, I'll, I'll have to hear your story too. Uh, you know, if you're kind of a lifelong Christian, or if you had a moment where uh, where you can point to, "Hey, this is when I realized who Jesus was." you know going to be a be my savior and be be a major difference in my life um but i I don't have that story right so sometimes if i'm being honest i'm a little bit jealous of folks that have this this story where they uh you know midlife understood who jesus was Mm. and you know because i can't imagine the power of having in your mind this clear before and after right and, and how yeah the, just the difference of power of jesus made in your life i don't really have that and that's not to say that my faith journey is any less sincere or um that, that jesus is any less powerful in my life but but i think as i've heard some people share the passion and the power behind those those testimonies that that's those are pretty impressive
0: yeah so um yeah i'm, I'm with you 100 so to your to your question i i grew up in the church, I grew up in a Christian home. I think my parents got saved like right before I was born or like right right around that uh, that time frame. So, yeah, I mean, I grew I grew up in the church. I was one of these like I, I was probably like you. I mean, I was in the church like um, multiple days a week. Like we had we did this we did the sunday school we did church we they, they would even we'd come back sometimes it wasn't all year round but we would do our church did this like school of the bible thing on sunday afternoons we had wednesday night bible study and then we had uh well when i got older we had youth group on friday nights and right. stuff like that so it was just like a lot of church and uh and i loved it man like i i grew up in it and i loved it i did have a little bit of uh when i got into my maybe like the last couple years of high school I did kind of go, you know, stray away a little bit. I think I had a season like even leading up into when I went to Bible college um, after I graduated high school. I think like six months leading up to Bible college, I wasn't even in church, <laughs> which is kind of was kind of interesting because I went to a school to train for ministry. And leading up to it, I just I wasn't even going to church like <laughs> at all for for several months. And so, um, you know. I was working a lot and it, it's just, it's, it's that kind of thing. I see it all the time. You miss church mm-hmm. once. It's easy to miss church a second time. And then you miss it the second time. It's really easy to miss it the third time. And once you get into a habit of yep. missing church, like too many times, it just becomes really, really easy, you know, to just kind of stay away it until does. something shifts in your, in your life. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, like I've definitely felt like that, too. And I think that I think that a lot of people feel that way when they don't have this big, powerful testimony. I think that even, especially as like a preacher, because a lot of a lot of um, preachers and people who are in the ministry, they have these like really profound transformational experiences, these moments that they could point to where something just amazing or supernatural happened something crazy happened that where they turn their life around and like I don't I don't have that I had um like uh, as long as I can remember you know I'd been walking with the Lord and of course I wasn't perfect I got into some stuff when I was a teenager and I, I definitely you know made mistakes and and everything but yeah I don't know I, uh, I can it's, point it's, to certain experiences that I've had with God where my faith was solidified uh, in a more profound way. But, uh, but, yeah, I think you and I might be sort of in the same boat there.
1: It's interesting, though, because the people I've talked to that, that have had those midlife transformational moments, um, and I say I'm, I'm kind of envious in a way, they turn around and say, well, I'm envious of you. I mean, you, you've had Jesus as a central point of your life. Come on your your whole life right you, Come you you don't have to look back at these moments where you've you've been lost and struggled and made poor choices and, and not have this had this anchor and not understood what what grace is and not understood you know uh the, the power of jesus so um so it's interesting it's kind of that grass is always greener right um, yeah you know we, we see it one way and, and and they see it the other so uh, i think the bottom line is we're both blessed because all that matters is, is that that uh, whether you came to that that understanding later in life, and 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 Jesus yeah. came in your heart later in life, or whether you were, it's from when you were born, right? The fact of the matter is, He's in your life, and and that's yeah. all that matters at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and get, of course, we're all on a different journey. We're all on a different, you know, we all have a different kind of a story, and we love, like I love hearing those testimonies, those really powerful, impactful. Like I was in jail, I was on drugs, I was headed for this, and God rescued. Like, I love those. I think we all love those stories. But to your point, there is, I mean, that testimony of, I grew up in a Christian home, Christian values and, you know, biblical values were instilled in me from a young age and throughout my life, And I didn't stray away from it when I got older, but I actually embraced it and, and uh, fell more in love with Jesus and fell more, you know, uh, my, my faith grew and strengthened and like that as a testimony to even like the, your, your parents and the way that they raised you and, and all of that is, is just so, I love that testimony. It doesn't get as much uh, street cred, but, uh, but it's awesome, you know, and of course not, it's not that one's better than the other, like you said, but we're all in a different journey with the Lord and. Uh, the the important thing is that at the end of the day, you're here, <laughs> that he found that's you, right. <laughs> wherever that's right. you were, he found you. And yeah, so amen that's awesome. Well, hey, that's 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 great. So let's uh, let's fast forward just a little bit. And um uh, definitely I want to get into the new stuff. I just I want to know a little bit about Stretch Internet, about how that happened, how you went from, um, you know, you were you were involved in uh, in collegiate sports in terms of media and stuff like that and how you. Um, what that looked like as you transitioned. Well, first of all, what um, what what college were you associated with?
1: Yeah, so I worked at Cal State Fullerton, um, which is a uh, Division One program. That's right, the Titans in, in Orange County, Southern California, and yeah. uh, so I'm I'm a baseball diehard, um, uh, big New York Mets fan side note okay. I, i'm really not trying to be distracted but jacob de who's like the best pitcher in the universe right now yeah left the game early last night hurt his arm and so i'm like you know they're supposed to have mri results today so yeah i'm i'm, I'm really trying not to check the latest on that but that's a, a complete aside here It's uh, a- baseball die hard and uh had the chance to go work at cal state fullerton which uh, they've they've had a couple down years, but historically it has been one of the best college baseball programs in the country. Um, yeah, multiple and, college and, World Series championships and um, and in those early two
0: thousands, man, yes. they had some they had yeah, some teams I mean, back then. Justin yeah. Turner,
1: who's a, a star in the Dodgers now, he played while I was there, and Kurt yeah, Suzuki, man. he's a catcher in the end. I mean, there's a number of, of, of professional guys that that were there, and so. I had a chance to, to handle media relations for that group. And in fact, the last game I ever worked before I, I, I had one year where I did both stretch and that job at the same time, which by the way, if you're an entrepreneur, that's a great way to do it. If you can hedge your bets, right. If, if before you make that, sometimes you just gotta risk everything and jump. But if, if you can find a way to kind of hedge your bets, that's a way to do it. So I, I had the chance to do both Cal state Fullerton while I was launching stretch for a year. And then the last game I worked. As a sports information director, before I said I'm going to do stretch full time, was the College World Series championship in four against Texas. Um, oh come on! To win, to win the whole thing, so um, way to go out with the at the top. Yeah, it's my John, John Elway. You get your championship ring. Oh, in fact, it's uh, that's the way to go do off it. Camera for for a second here, but I got my uh, little champ- World Series championship ring right here. And, oh no and, way. And, uh so I had that chance to uh, to work with that team that program and uh that is so that, so that cool. was a ton of fun but um yeah it, it was just a, a convergence of opportunity that came up there that that led to stretch and, and part of it was I had an incredible boss um an incredible who was a mentor and uh very much an empowering type boss and you know in our case we needed a cheaper way to broadcast games online and a lot of bosses would have just yeah. gone and researched vendors and so I'm going to make a decision. My boss actually came into my office and said, "Hey, I know you like to tinker and you're pretty good at this stuff. You want to play around and find something." And so he completely empowered me to try to come up with a way to do this and and that freed me up to to really explore and research and come up with this this, you know, create this this concept and And, uh, so we ran with that and, and then even as I started to explore what this could look like at other schools and is there something here, he was completely supportive and empowering of that and allowed me to tweak my schedule a little so I could work on the business on the side and come in different hours. And, and so that, that was a huge part of it. But, um, yeah, those early days in a garage were crazy. Um, (laughs) know, we had, I think I, you mentioned, or maybe I mentioned, we were only doing audio streaming at the time. That's how we started before we got in the video. Yeah. Uh and, and we'd get our audio streams, we'd acquire them from the schools we worked with over a phone line. Okay. I, I think I had the only garage in America that at one point had 72 phone lines <laughs> coming in there. So we had we had three. Was that, was that legal, lines. Ryan? Let's be honest. It, it was. We, we had okay. three T1 lines. Each T1 line you can brad I don't want to get too technical, but a T1 can be uh broken down into actually 24 voice lines and so mm. um, fortunately we lived in a new enough neighborhood where they had the infrastructure on coming into the street coming into the, the hubs there where we could get three t1s and i had 72 phone lines and i think 17 emac these old all-in-one emac computers on these racks in my garage and cables yeah. running everywhere and wow and uh you know i was it was a one-man shop for three years so saturdays which are kind of the the mecca of of college sports and i, I would from about seven in the morning till about 11 at night i was non-stop monitoring games troubleshooting issues working with people trying to listen to events that they were having issues i mean it was it was crazy wow. I, I look back at that now and like, think, how did i do that for three years we had a couple young kids i still had my other job for the first year of that i mean it's yeah it, it's crazy in retrospect, just see, you know, you, you mentioned use the word grind earlier and that's, that's what it was, man. It's a grind. Um, uh, but you know, now I, I kind of at those memories at the time, certainly they, they were tough and, and a lot of hard work, but you look back at that and you realize the fruit that, that, that work produced
0: mm, Yeah, and,
1: and how that persistence so paid off. Um, but, uh, they, they were crazy times, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, I, I think some of the best entrepreneurs are, are younger. <laughs> primarily because you have that energy and and you often have that naivete to know that hey things don't always work right so you just you just go yeah. because you're like hey it's gonna work you know i'm, I'm young I, I haven't failed yet so i think that's helpful uh, for entrepreneurs to have that spirit
0: yeah and uh, you know being married and having uh, you said you had um how many how many kids do you have now
1: we have three daughters now one uh, just turned 22 days we have one in each in three wow. different decades we have a 20 year old. As of two days ago, we have a 17-year-old and we have an eight-year-old. Um, okay, so all right. So, at, at the time that Stretch launched, we had a I guess a, a, a three-year-old and a, a barely born. You know, in fact, she was born at okay. the first year. Yeah. Stretch. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So a young family and making that transition and um, first of all, that's so cool. I just want to go back to it because it's it's so cool that you the way that you were able to to stick around and, and, uh, be there to experience the world series. Like that's so cool. And then basically you were already, cause you had already been working on it, right? You had, cause you started in 2003 with stretch and there was that year overlap or so. And then in 2004, did, is it because were you hanging around? Be- did the, did the fact that you knew your team had a shot that year, did that have anything to do with you sticking around or were you, would you have been there no matter what? No, it, it, we had a shot every year. I mean, we went, uh, yeah, because 2003 was 2003. really close, right? Like three,
1: we were ranked first in the in the country for yeah. most of the year, and and I think Man. three, we were the number one seed going into the College World Series. So I went with them in 2003 too, and then Stanford uh, knocked us off that year. Um, so you know we were That's a right. perennial yeah. powerhouse just about every year. So that it, it was more um, again I, I used that word earlier hedge. Or there's another great book called um, Decisive by Chip and Dan Heath. And they use this term there called ooch O O C H. And so that's I was ooching. It's this idea of can you can you kind of try something out before you fully commit? Right. Yeah. And and so that's that 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 last year at Cal State Fullerton, I was trying stretch out. I started the year with 12 clients, and by the end of the year I was up to 27 somewhere in that neighborhood. And it's like, okay, I've been able yeah. to validate and see this is gonna work. Let now it's time to kind of dive head first.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Um... I did something similar when i was um first getting into financial services i i i started doing it on the side and the the company that i worked with um they they very much encouraged you to start part time and you know wait until you see if if you're the right fit for this for this thing <laughs> mm. and uh, so i was uh, at the time i was working in a, in a restaurant i mean i was still i was pastoring too but i i had a job i was working in a restaurant And I was able to start part time. And then once I saw that I could replace, you know, replace my income part time, I was like, all right, well, this just makes sense. Like, let's just get that other thing out of the way. And let me just go into this, you know, full time at that point, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, again, I think it just comes down to we're all on different paths. I think that God will speak to some people and be like, all right, I want you to trust me enough to just, (laughs) just, just jump straight into it, you know? Uh, but then I think uh, I think that when God is not leading you that way, it's such good wisdom to do it the way that, that you did it, you know, and kind of go into it slowly. There. And yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so good. It,
1: it, it, if the opportunity there, why not? Right. I, I think yeah. to your point, you know, sometimes we do have to be um, Abraham and, and just go to a place maybe more figuratively than literally, but where mm. we don't even, you know, we don't know where we're going. God says yeah. go and, and we just go. Right. And so sometimes you do have to make that leap. And, and, um, you know, but I, I think, you know, if I, I, I speak to a, uh, every year to an entrepreneurship class at Faith Lutheran high school here in Las Vegas, where I live. Um, cool. my wife teaches there and it's, it's actually just a side note, the largest Lutheran school in the country, they got 2000, 2000 kids between sixth and 12th grade. there. awesome. Wow. School. Um, yeah, really neat school, but they have an entrepreneurship program at a high school which is pretty cool and that is amazing it is uh and and when i speak to that class every year you know that that's one of the things i tell them is you know some of you guys are going to have these these ideas coming out of high school or college and want to jump in head first but if you can find a way to ooch if you can find a way to test the waters Mm. um and and not not fully commit until you know hey there's 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 some legs here um you know i think that's a, a a great way to do it if you can
0: yeah, it's good wisdom. So you so you started stretch internet, you started in your garage, you had 72 phone lines, you're servicing all mm-hmm. these clients, you're doing tech support, you're doing all this all this crazy stuff, right? And then um I, I know that um you had some really spectacular growth consistently throughout, right? You said you went yeah. from like 12 to 27 and then uh, eventually, I, I know you got to the point where it was um, over like 600 schools, right? That, yep, right that were your clients. Yeah, and, yep. um, yeah we double-digit growth uh, every year. Man, that is so cool. And the fact that you made the... So you made the Inc. 5000 list in 2017. So uh, math, 14 years, right? Into your business. So mm-hmm. the fact that... So in order to, just for anyone who doesn't know, to be on the Inc. 5000 list, that means that... Uh, That's the ranking of you're one of the 5,000 most successful, fastest growing, uh, privately held companies in the United States. Right. Correct. So and so we're not talking at that point when you made the list, we're not talking about like, okay, I'm one of the fastest growing companies because I've got like this year I had two clients and next year I had 10. We're talking about like we're really far into this journey already and yes. then to and then to make that list I, I just i think that that's well just congratulations man i think that that's such a cool yeah. um such a, such an awesome accomplishment um Appreciate so that. then the very next year 2018 right is when you decided to well maybe you decided prior to that i don't know but that's when you actually uh sold the the business sold the company And uh, decided to pursue some other things. So, how did that sort of transition come about? What led you to uh, make that huge life-altering decision when you were in such a place of success and growth, and uh, really having an an awesome place in that collegiate collegiate athletics, you know, video streaming space? What what uh, what possessed you to do that, Ryan?
1: Good question. Um, I, I think it was, it was a combination of things. I mean, first and foremost, yes, we were, we were doing well. Um, and and God continued to, to, um, provide a way for us to grow year over year, um, and, and, and put great people around me that, that helped the business uh, grow. I mean, anybody who who grows a business and runs a team knows that you're only as good as the people around you. Right? So we, we had a great team and, um, we're positioned well, but you know, I I did see the writing on the wall. And what I mean by that is, is you touched earlier that, yeah, in 2003, so much, this was new. I mean, we were pioneering in many ways. We were exploring things that some people weren't even thinking about yet. We get to 2017. Streaming has become commoditized at that point, right? Uh, It's, it's ubiquitous. You've got you know, yes. YouTube live and Facebook live and, and Twitch. And I mean, all these different platforms where I can go on my phone and with two clicks be live streaming, whatever I want. Wow. And, and, you know, we, we, of course our service was not just about providing the mechanisms to, to get a live stream up. We had a, a branded portal that incorporated live statistics and other elements for our clients, and we provided uh, world-class support, customer support. That was kind of our calling card. And, and so there were a number of elements that went into um our our partnerships with our our clients but there there was a lot of competition and it was it was coming to the uh, the surface quickly not only from the big players that i mentioned but also some more niche players that were starting to to do some really good stuff in the space and so you know i i talked to a number of advisors over the years that said you know when you get to the point of wanting to sell go Uh, don't wait you know, very few people that sell will ever say, "Oh, I should have waited longer." It's usually the other stories. Oh man, I should have sold sooner. And so I looked at the fact that A, we're at the top of our game; B, there's a, there's a growing competition base, um, and, and I think C, which is maybe the biggest piece here, is is I felt uh, God putting something new on my heart. You know, I I've been doing this for for 15 years, and um, I love the ministry. I mean, we, we can, you know, Luther uh, talks a lot about the calling of vocation. And, and we can talk about that, right? And, and how, whatever your vocation is, that, that's your calling to serve. And, and so I, I love the fact that I did have the opportunity to, to serve my team members, my clients. Um, and, and I consider that my calling. But I also felt like God was maybe putting an opportunity to do something more directly with ministry in front of me and saying, Hey, how can you take some of these concepts and principles that you've, you've learned over the years? I'm not considering myself an expert, but, but 15 years of running a business, you do start to understand a few things and saying, you know, I, I, I've got a lifelong, um, understanding of the church body too. not only being a pastor's kid, but being a lifelong church goer, lifelong Lutheran, being involved in leadership roles in my churches over the years. And just seeing this disconnect right seeing how so many churches um just seem to not being not not to not be as aggressive and maybe that's the wrong word but as intentional whatever you might want to call it with with some of these principles um in really getting after their their mission right and um these are these are principles created by god these are first article the creed principles right god created all things and and yeah so this whole concept that, you know, maybe there's something there. You know, maybe God is is leading me to this next chapter where I can take take some of these principles and, and help explore what that looks like in ministry. So that that was kind of this other piece. that was really just coming into my focus as I explored this this um, possible sale. Is hey, a it might be the right time to go out. We're at the top of our game. There's there's some some mm. pressing competition that's starting to come up, and b, you know. After 15 years, it may maybe God opening a, a new door or, or writing a new chapter for me?
0: Wow, wow, love it so much. So, um, so then you transitioned into um, when? When did you? Because uh, there was some in between stuff, right? As uh, I think from when you sold the uh, the business um, to you f- starting Seven Marches, or what was the process for that? Like. yeah, so
1: we, it's kind of funny how, how some other life events came into, uh, focus at that point as well. So right as I was exploring this sale, um, we lived in Gilbert, Arizona at that time, the suburb of Phoenix mm. and a, a lifelong or not a lifelong, but a longtime friend of our family, who's the principal at Faith Lutheran High School in Las Vegas here, uh, had worked with my wife when we lived in Southern California at another school out there. Uh, my wife is a very talented musician, choral director, uh, vocalist, awesome. and he called out of the blue, uh, right as I was going through the sale process, said, hey, will you guys come to Vegas next year? Our, our, our music person's leaving, our choir director, we want you to come lead this growing program at this this Lutheran school out here. And uh, so the business sells. I, I don't have anything physically keeping me there anymore. Um we had one daughter going into high school another going into kindergarten these kind of natural transition times right and and so we prayed and thought about it and said you know what why not let's let's go explore this 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 uh new opportunity in vegas so we moved to vegas and so i, I spent a couple years just um in that transition time um unwinding a little bit and, and trying to help the family a little bit and and just thinking and continuing to marinate a little bit on some of these ideas. So, yeah, in, in developing those ideas a little bit more. Um, writing content and, and thinking through models and paradigms. And, and so it, it was a couple of years until I felt that I had um, a model in seven marches that was really ready to, to go and really ready to, to help ministries that are, are looking for that kind of thing.
0: That's awesome. I, I love I love the that word that you used, uh, actually, the word when you said intentionality. You know, and the, the intentionality of... Of Christian leaders, of pastors, of churches, of ministries, of organizations, to um, to really be intentional about doing the being as um, reaching as much of our potential as possible, you know, and really just being intentional about the the doing things with excellence you know I think that that's so that that's so cool and um so as we start to sort of maybe you know we'll continue transitioning this conversation we'll get into um the new uh, website that you've created I want to talk about um some of the ins and outs of that I I uh, went to the website uh measure.church and I downloaded that free uh there's a there's a free um basically checklist for uh, pastors and churches and 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 christian leaders to use uh and so i downloaded this thing and one of the things that you're that that it talks about right at the beginning of um of this uh this free resource that i downloaded it talks about relating the some of the concepts that we use in the business world and taking those same concepts and applying them to the way that we that we build and grow and advance our churches a, a lot of people don't like that conversation um, because that conversation can take you to a wrong place where you become more program oriented than you know people and discipleship and you know presence of God focused right where like it it all becomes about the like you can get unbalanced with it just like you can get unbalanced with anything but I think that the way that the the value that you're bringing to this space is so wonderful, and it's so needed right now. Um, and so, one of the things that you talk about is, um, in in the business world, we talk about you know the customer experience, and so, and when we when it comes to a church and worshiping communities, let's talk about the worship experience. And so, we start getting into tools that we can use so that we can evaluate our, our worshiper experience, our worship experience, so that we can constantly be looking for, for, for more. Like, how do we retain, you know, in the business world, we're talking about how do we retain our customers? How do we get our customers to come back? Because if a customer comes one time and doesn't come back, that's a problem. If that happens consistently, that's a problem. If that happens in our churches consistently, where people are coming... And they're coming once or twice, but then they're consistently leaving. They're not sticking around. Okay, well, let's evaluate. Why is this happening? And how do we actually work on the retention of our visitors and people that are coming? Because that's the ultimate goal. It's not just to have people walk through your doors. It's to have people discipled and their lives changed and transformed. So hopefully they're going to another church and they're finding that somewhere else. But who knows, right? And so... uh you've put together some incredible tools i know you've still got some stuff in the works and you've got uh, i'm sure plenty more on your brain that's coming out but to really help our our worshiping communities to grow to expand to really approach this with a spirit of excellence and intentionality so that we can really be as impactful as possible so this is not there's nothing to do with just like adding more stuff or adding more programs. This is about how do we take our vision, our heart, our passion, but then we're going to infuse it with some tools and resources so that we can be as impactful as possible, reach as many people as possible, expand the kingdom of God, um, you know, grow our worshiping communities, and uh, really it comes down to, it it puts us in a position where we can disciple people better. Um, so I don't know. Am I on the right track with what I'm talking about? Because I'm just kind of this is what, what I'm getting out of uh, some of the stuff that you've sent me that I've been looking into. Yeah, I,
1: a, that's a beautiful know? preface. Um, and I think you nailed so many things on the head there. Um, so so what you're referencing is is kind of an offshoot of seven marches, uh, which which we're, we're developing and building right now called Measure. And, and you mentioned the websites, measure.church. And I'd love people to go check it out. Yes. Um, but it's, it's this whole idea. You know, as I've talked to pastors over the past year or so, um, and I'm certain that COVID has it's something to do with this. But I also think there's a deeper issue here. One of the common themes I've heard is that that they don't always get meaningful and, and substantive feedback from their people. Um, and, and the problem there is, and you don't know, are we effectively ministering to them? Um, wow. what's maybe working or not working, where are they at in their discipleship journey? Um, and you know, that, that to me is a problem. And, and again, this is where I, I get excited because there's some business principles we can bring in there at stretch in my business, we were dead without feedback from our customers, right? If, if we didn't know yeah. what was working and not working, what was, yeah. expected, I mean, it, it, we, we lived and died by what was working for our people. Now, to your point, I, I realize that you, you can't have a one-to-one translation or correlation there. There's certainly differences in the church space, and you know a lot of churches will talk about, hey, we're not here for the the person in our pew or in the person that's, we're here for the person who's not there. And I love that, and I, I I get that. That's the spirit and the heart of the Great Commission, right? We're we're to we're to go out and tell people around the world about Jesus and who He is, and and to share that 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 message with others. But you know, people, a lot of times will talk about the one and chasing the one. Let, let's look at the one. I mean, if we look at Matthew 18 of the parable of the, the lost sheep, where did the one come from? The one mm. came from the flock. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one left the flock. And, and we're told that, that the shepherd pursued that one, right? Left the other 99 to pursue the one. And, and so to your point, you know, I think a lot of churches don't have a front door problem. They have a back door problem. Right. How do you close that back door? Right. How do you make a revolving sure that you're door keeping problem. Your... yes. Right. How, how do you keep your flock engaged? How do you continue to minister to them? How do you help them to grow on their discipleship journey? So then they're sent out. Right. And now they're, they're empowered and they're on fire for, Come on. for the message of Jesus. And, and so they're, they're now your missionaries. Right. And so what, what measure.church is trying to do is, is to create a unique, uh, to fill unique, what I think is gap right now. And, and to provide a, a survey tool, if you will, that's designed just for churches, exclusively for churches. And if I can, not can I dive a little bit into more of kind of the, the thinking on that? Is that okay? Let's do it. Yes, sir. Um, so so there's kind of three three things I think that Measure.Church is really going to help with that, that you're not going to find another maybe standard solutions out there. And when I say standard solutions, I mean, we're talking about the church that maybe uses SurveyMonkey once a year or Google Forms or Qualtrics or any of these survey tools, right? right? Yeah. which uh, it's great that churches are using that and thinking, yeah, we want to get some kind of feedback, but I think there's some gaps. So, so the first gap I think is most of those tools, you know, churches might use it once a year, maybe twice a year. Right. And, and so they're, they're getting this feedback, um, but it's a snapshot in time. And so one thing that Church does is we we have a system where it's automatically every week surveying a portion of your worshiping community. So you have this constant feedback streaming in. And it, it's kind of the difference in my mind of, of let's say if you were to tell a year of your life, this last year of your life, Duke, do you think I'd get a better picture of that year by looking at two or three pictures that you took spread out through the year, or, or giving me kind of a, a video? of, of the whole year. Right. I'm going to, I'm going yeah, to understand like the lapse. story <laughs> of, of Duke, right. With a video. And, and so that's what we try to do at measure.church is you're getting constant points of feedback and, and data throughout the year. So you can, yeah. you can build measure, learn more quickly. You can understand as you change things over the course of the year, what's working, what's not. So I, I think a second thing that we're really trying to work with is, is to help churches that don't always know what to ask, what to measure, what to look at. True. um and and so we we've created this library of questions that have been vetted and developed by pastors um also though fine-tuned by a data scientist because we want to try to create or eliminate bias in questions and, and questions and questions aren't going to capture the right data points yeah. so we've got a library of questions that covers everything from worship experience to discipleship journey to uh campus environment to safety to uh you know what's happening with your kids uh, all those things right so these churches can kind of take this this vetted library and pick and choose or even use templates um and i think the third thing that's really powerful with measure.church is the idea of benchmarks so you might ask let's say a question that says hey on a scale of zero through ten uh, how engaging is the music at our mm. church right you want to know uh-huh. is the music connecting with people is it is it yeah. adding to to their worship experience right maybe your average score is an 8.4 and you're like okay is that good i don't know <laughs> right so because we have thousands of data points from all these surveys we can benchmark this question and say well your 8.4 is good but we show the average is 8.9 so maybe you mm. need to think a little bit more about Hey, is there something here that we can work on? Right, some wow. some way maybe we're not connecting with people. So, so those are some of the things we're thinking about and working on, and uh, really trying to make this this uh, this solution that will just help churches better know. I, I, the, the tagline we're working with is "Know so you can grow," mm-hmm. right? Um, how can you better know your people so that you can ultimately uh, grow the kingdom of God in the place that you've been sent to to, to minister?
0: Yeah, well man, I was thinking about this, like we do, we do surveys or or we, we at least get offered surveys all the time from all kinds of places. I mean, you go and like, if you, you know, you go to McDonald's on your receipt, tell us how we're doing, you know, and we'll give you a free Coke or we'll give you like a, some fries or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's everywhere. Everybody is constantly looking for that feedback. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of like, Because I never prior to speaking with you, I never really gave this a whole lot of thought about like regularly sort of like creating that culture of feedback where we're getting it on a regular basis. Because, you know, we in our discussion a little while back, um, I think I probably you know told you about, you know, the the process that we've taken. And, yeah, we do we do something similar at least once a year. You know, maybe if there's something special that we're looking for uh, some feedback on, we'll do it more than once a year. But. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, like once a year, we'll kind of do like a little survey when we'll, we'll ask people to rate the worship experience and the, the preaching of the word and all these different things. But, uh, but I see so much value in what you're talking about. Um, because as an, as an ongoing thing that allows you to, uh, really, you know, check and monitor and that becomes so like you mentioned, one of the things that you mentioned was, okay, uh, safety let's let's monitor you know like some of the questions involved there are safety so if you're talking about safety like like that's such a big that's such a big thing because if a one of the one of the reasons that I think a lot of people um, visit churches and stay in churches if we're talking about let's talk about uh, families with young children um, so often that is the determining factor in whether or not the the parents want to stay in that church is okay what is this children's program like? How are they taking care of our kids, you know? And so being able to just sort of practically evaluate those things in in like real time in an ongoing way, uh, I see so much value in that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and that's that's the key is, is you, you mentioned the culture of feedback. You, you, again, that, that's spot on because
0: I think I got you, that you from can... your literature. I don't think <laughs> Okay. Well, I, I, I think I, I don't, it was I don't in my head. That's an...
1: Okay, well, that's probably not my original uh, thought, but or my original concept either. But that, that you've got to get in this this habit, for lack of a better word, uh, of continuing to, to understand where things are at. If you take that survey once a year, you're not. It's going to be informational. You might, you know, say that's interesting, but it's not going to truly help you to think. How do we how do we continue? you used the word excellence before, how do we continue to be excellent here? How do we continue yeah. to create an environment where, and, and it's not about, it's again, it's, it's a little bit of a slippery slope. We're not trying to create a tool that just helps people introduce new programs and be more excellent, right? What we are trying to do is help them to create, understand their environment and help create a, a situation where, where it's more engaging, uh, it captures more people's hearts and minds, uh, and, and again, inspires them to go be uh, on, on mission for jesus right that that's that's the end game here yeah and you know so i i think that's the goal it's funny because we you know we as as we've talked to people over the year um i, I i've kind of uncovered there, there's four different personas if you will when it comes to feedback in, in most churches and, and i i've gone as far as naming these personas because i i i keep seeing and kept seeing these common themes and so i i, I want to share these with you because it uh, and see if you identify with any of these, or, or if you think other church leaders do. But number one is complacent Connor. Um, I, I've named these. So complacent <laughs> Connor. Okay, I get It is is this this person who who's likes to think feedback feedback is important, but but usually it will only conduct a survey once, maybe twice a year. You know, look at the results and say, hmm. that, you know, that's interesting, but no true action is really ever generated by that, right? It, it's more kind of a, let, let's, let's do it to say we did it, right? Um, and then there's sampling Samantha. And sampling Samantha is that church leader that, that says, oh, you know, I heard from Jim on, on this issue or, or Sue stopped me the other day and talked to me about this. And, you know, it, it's usually feedback that, that this church leader gets from maybe one or two friends or allies, if, if you will, in the congregation yeah or conversely the squeaky wheel that every congregation has right but you hear this one point of feedback and now in your mind it's become blown up and it represents something larger than it really is right and it's really right. so taking a small sample rather than looking at the full picture hmm. then there's Insider Ike Insider Ike has has a a, a great rhythm of, of meeting with with his team every week and internally that leadership team discusses what they see is working what's not working and they might make some changes and try to improve things, but it's all based on that insider intel. It's all based on the leadership team, and you know, it, it's it's almost that that curse of knowledge, right? You're so into what you're doing every week, you 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 can't see the forest through the trees, right? You can't understand right. what's yeah. happening from that outsider's perspective, right? Um, so good intentions, but just not factoring in what what people are truly seeing. And then finally, is is loner Louis, and and loner Louis uh, kind of gets a bit riled up anytime he hears about feedback because loner Louie says, Hey, I'm, I'm God's minister here. Uh, God put me here for a reason. He's giving me the insights and the knowledge and understanding of this community. Um, I don't need feedback because I know what God needs here. And, and again, I don't think any of these tendencies or thoughts are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but, but if, if you're looking at this from a perspective of, I know everything I need. God puts you in a community, right? he's, he's giving you a, a people that you're ministering to. And, and if, if you don't work to understand those people, you could be missing the boat altogether. Right. So, so I'm, I'm curious, I'll, I'll turn it back on you as you hear those. I mean, any of those resonate with you? Can, can you, can you (laughs) think or see other, other church leaders that you've talked to over the years that, that, that kind of fall into one or more of those personas?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the the one that stuck out the most to me uh, was uh, so on the last one. Was it Louie? Loner Louie? Loner Louie. Loner Louie is the last one you mentioned. So um, I cause, because I'm because I'm curious about uh, if you've got in, um, you know, much pushback on this, like as you've been talking to different, uh, you know, pastors, leaders, every, different people that you talk that you've talked to and uh, that you've been working with up to this point. Uh, has there been um, much pushback from people of that persuasion, or is that sort of the outlier? So in other words, are there people uh, regularly that would say things like, uh, well, no, we don't need feedback because we know we're doing what the Lord has called us to do. Because um, one, one of the things that, and, and this is where I, I see, uh, I mean, I see so much value in what you're doing. One of the places that I really see value, one of the things that's been that's been big to us that we say all the time, I know a lot of people say this and throw this around, is that uh, you know if they're not learning the way we teach, then we, we then we need to teach the way that they learn. Well, how do you know if they're not learning the way that you teach unless you evaluate unless that you unless you do something like this that it allows you to see, okay, are people actually learning? are people actually growing? And so anyway, that last one, Loner Louie kind of stuck out to me because I'm just curious if there's uh, if you've gotten much pushback, how much pushback you get from people that would just kind of reject this idea altogether? Or even on a fundamental level saying, um, well, like, we don't need to do that because we just know that we're doing what God has called us to do and that's it.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's one of the things as, as I ha- have been creating Measure.Church that, that I know is out there. It's going to be the objection. I, I wouldn't say I've had a lot of direct um, uh, objections in that manner, uh, maybe some more subtle uh, comments or, or, or uh, things expressed. But listen, I'll I'll, I'll be honest, um, and and I don't mean this to sound harsh. Um, those aren't the the, the folks that are, are thinking like that aren't the ones that that are going to use Measure.Church, church, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it, sure, you know, I, I think it can be a, a benefit and a blessing to any church. But but if you're if you're stuck in this mindset that, you know, what the feedback is not important to us, um, and we're going to keep running with with how we believe God is leading us to go and uh, then, then yeah, I mean, th- this service is not probably going to benefit you. Yeah, it, It's those church leaders sense. though, that, 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 realize that, Hey, there can be some value in, in not letting the, the crew run the ship, so to speak, not, not taking every element of feedback and, and saying we're going to do this, this and that, but, but just getting a, a broader understanding of, of the picture and understanding how your people are being impacted that that's, that's who we're trying to help. Um, you know, I, and if I can follow up on one of the points I just made, which is this idea we're not going to change, you know, we're not going to take every single point of data and run with it, it that, that's an important piece of this is how do you filter feedback? And in that, that content uh, download that, that you are, are referencing, which people can get on at Measure.Church, we, we built a framework in there for filtering feedback that I think is is pretty insightful and can really help churches whether or not they use measure, but, but we use a, it's a acronym, listen. And I, I'm just going to run through it real quick yeah, love because it. I think it's sequential in how you take this feedback and filter it. So L the L in listen is for lost, which to me is the most paramount thing. And what, what we mean by lost is does this feedback that you're getting, whatever feedback that you're evaluating at that point, does it reflect the spirit of the great commission? If you implemented a change based on this, this point of feedback is it going to help you reach more people Is it yes. going to help Jesus become more famous. Um, I really apologize about this. Uh, this camera. Dude, You're fine. You're like, every yeah.
0: time that happens, we can I can still hear you. So that's why I don't say yeah. anything, because I know you'll no, it's, you know, you'll get it right. It's uh,
1: <laughs> not that people necessarily want to stare at my face, but, you know, it does. Let's hope the cameras like, whoa! let's just happens. let's
0: just give everyone a break from your face for a minute that's right <laughs> recalibrate we right. will let you come back uh, No. so so you've got
1: uh you know the, the first element of this filter is that is this feedback if we implement a change to help us reach a loss right mm-hmm. um and, and yeah. i'll go through these quickly uh but i is impact uh meaning does this element this point of feedback again if we're looking at a specific thing that, that we garnered from from feedback we received is it going to produce major benefits um, or would they be more incremental, more minor? Um, and, and so going through that exercise, that, that thought process can help you evaluate the feedback. Uh, S is symmetry. Is the feedback we're getting, is it aligned with our mission, vision, and values? Um, you can get helpful feedback that still maybe is is aligned with a great commission, but might just be a little bit different from what your focus is as a church, right? And what your your uh, vision, mission, and values are so you got to make sure that feedback's aligned right is, yeah. is, is is test uh, which is you know can we validate this feedback are there are there additional steps or, or research we can take e is, is is it expedient meaning is it even practical or possible even if we wanted to implement changes based on this feedback to do that given our resources our time our personnel and N is now, meaning is this, is this, given everything else we might have going on right now, is this the best time to really implement a change from this feedback? So it, it's kind of a helpful filter because we all know that, that not, not all feedback is necessarily healthier or good feedback or feedback that should propel change. Um, True. But, but the fact that you are trying to collect feedback and then that you have a mechanism for looking at that feedback and saying what here is valid and important, I think that's the key.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um, I love that. I love that. Um, uh, I always forget—is it acrostic or acronym, when it's like a word that's that you that you break up into different meanings.
1: Uh, I guess I used acronym, but you could be right. I, I don't know. Maybe, no, maybe I always say
0: acronym too, but I feel like sometimes people use the word acrostic, and I just I always forget which one is which. It's not important. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with acronym. So yeah, I um, yeah, I love that. I think that that's um, I think that that's so great, and I think that it allows you to that there's like a balance worked into the equation there, which is really, really key because yeah, every piece of feedback doesn't mean that we've got to adjust our whole ministry approach, but the fact that you're getting feedback. And if you're consistently getting feedback, that's, you know, maybe um, negative in a certain light, or it's highlighting some things that need to shift and change and stuff like that. I think we should look at that as a, as a gift rather than as something to become, you know, either defensive about or, or whatever, something to be afraid of or to stray away from, uh, you know, I know it's not always easy to, to get, you know, negative feedback and stuff like that. And so maybe that's even why, you know, some would, would decide to stay away from it. Um, because does, it, does that make sense? I I'm, I'm trying to,
1: that's a very real part of this, right. Is, is if I'm a, uh, a church leader, a pastor and, a, uh, uh, executive, um, director of a church, whatever the case might be administrator, you know, there's a real fear, I think in, in some cases that if I survey people and ask for feedback on things, it's going to point to areas that might hint that I'm not doing my job well, or that I'm not effective, or that something that we're doing is is failing. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and so, uh, there, there, there needs to be almost a little bit of courage to go through with this type of process, because you've got to be open to the, the possibility that there, there might be some, some, uh, some data that shows that, Hey, this is, this is not something that's resonating with our people. This is not something that's connecting our people to wow. to Jesus and the gospels as effectively as we'd like. And, and so it does take a little bit of courage as a leader to say, Hey, bring it on. Right. And that's something I had to learn when I was at stretch over time, because we had a real aggressive, uh, rhythm of feedback and we collect feedback any way we could from our clients and. There were days where I'd get feedback that was a little bit disheartening, right? A little bit, uh, dispiriting, um, yeah, you know, it, 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 would show you that, oh man, this is, this is not good. This person, this client looks like they're not happy. They might leave or this, this product that we thought was going to be so effective is not working as well as we'd like. Um, you know, but, but if you can thicken your skin a little bit and say, Hey, this is in pursuit of something bigger than my, my thoughts and feelings, and it's yeah. okay if 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 my you know if i'm i'm feeling a little bit dispirited as long as this helps inform some some nice change that can really uh get us back on our mission then Mm. then that's that's the most important thing so but but it takes some courage it takes some some leadership um to get to that point
0: yeah well uh you know ryan i'm like i'm connected with um a bunch of uh you know pastors and church leaders and stuff like that so hopefully um a lot of people will will hear this and, and be able to get, um, you know, maybe maybe some, some insights and see things from maybe a different, different perspective or um, whatever. But uh, where would you uh, want to point somebody, first of all? I know we're talking about measure.church. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, that's probably the answer, at least one of the answers. But um, just maybe somebody who's... You know, curious about this process and how they could, um, you know, begin to implement some some new strategies for collecting feedback and stuff like that. Where would you point someone, or what sort of um, advice or recommendations would you make?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It's, it's measure dot and there's a couple things you can do. And first off, it, it describes uh, more in depth the um, uh, the the service and the product that that we're uh, rolling out uh but there there's a an option there if you want uh to to download this this uh we call it the 19 point guide guide and checklist uh to measure your worship experience and, and it's a free download whether or not you use measure it has some i think some some helpful thoughts and insights in there just to begin get your brain working a little bit what what can we do to, to better understand and, and to know our people um you know but there's also i'd also encourage people to click on the sign up link and and not to sign up for the service yet because we're still finishing building this but there's Mm -hmm. just an interest an email where you can enter your email address for for an interest list and, and we'll let you know um when it's been released and and when it's live and and uh it should be later this fall and so we can keep in touch with people that way and and uh there's also an opportunity to get a couple months of free service if you do that as well by the way you know this is a paid service but this is is meant to be an affordable service so um depending on the size of your church, I mean it starts as low as 19 bucks a month. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we're we're not talking about a, a substantial commitment here. Yeah. Um I, I I I'm not getting into this to make money. Um uh you know, we did it well enough on my business sale. Fortunately, our, our family did that 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 we're we're in good shape financially. And, and I just look at this as a chance to to hopefully um create something that can can help ministries be more impactful. And um, and more effective. And and so, uh, yeah, I'd encourage people if they're curious just to go to measure.church and, and they can learn a, a lot more about it at uh, uh, that site.
0: Love it. Uh, so yeah, www.measure.church. There's no .com, <laughs> just measure.church. Measure. Church, and uh, yep. yeah, check out some of these, uh, first of all, the free resources. Um, and uh, and then if you're interested in learning some more about uh, what's in the works and and how uh, maybe even um, you can uh, partner up and, and uh, have some of these resources on, on an ongoing basis to really create that culture of feedback um, in your church. I, I really think Ryan, that what you're doing there is uh, is really cool. I think it's adding a lot of value. I think it's a really creative um, you know method that you're implementing to really get feedback consistently that is, uh, maybe more reliable, <laughs> I would say for sure, because of the ongoing nature of it and the way that uh, you and I, I don't even think, um, maybe you did mention it, um, and it and it went over my head, but uh, you and I talked about this in the past where the, the way that the feedback works is that, um, and maybe there's different ways to set this up, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but that you'll be able to sort of um, pull different groups of people at different times. So it's not, it's not that like one person is going to be filling out a survey every single week. Right. <laughs> right. It's a, b- because right. that would get tedious and they'd be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, but, but yeah. where it's, it's more of a sort of a rolling process. I don't we'll know. Maybe a I drip campaign. Term for
1: that. Yeah. We call it a drip yeah. campaign, which, which it, it it's, that's exactly right. So uh, over the course of several months, uh, everybody in the congregation will, will get that survey invitation, but, but, you know, we're not repeating, uh, over that time frame. So it, 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 you know, you get a certain percentage every week of people that get this survey invitation, by the way, not just by email, but by text as well, This research shows that people are much oh, yeah. more, um, you know, quicker to respond, much more likely to respond to something to be a text. And so that's also what we're chasing here is, is trying to create. Uh, higher participation rates, right? But but yeah, it's it's a drip campaign, um, which again, so you're getting constant snippets and, and measurements of data over time. Um, you can make changes and, and 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 quickly see kind of as you continue to measure. Hey, did this have an impact? of this did this yeah um, uh, help in this area? Uh, again, not to be too program focused. That's not the idea. Yeah, sure. But but uh, you know, in a lot of churches are going to use this exclusively for discipleship journey measurement. I mean understanding, Hey, how are we helping people, um, go from, from point A to point Z on their discipleship journey? Can, can we measure where they're at and and how effective, um, we are in, in, in helping them move along that path. Right. So it's, it started out as an idea of, of, of what we call WX worship experience, Mm -hmm. but the tool can be used for a host of things, uh, within a church setting that, that go beyond just the, the, uh, the experience of worship itself.
0: Very cool. I love how well thought out it is too, and uh, there's some really like, really cool technology that's that's gone into this, uh, into the development of this uh, of these tools that you're talking about. And again, uh, this is coming from a guy who uh, you know built um, you know one of the most uh, reliable uh, video streaming softwares in the collegiate collegiate athletic space, and uh, really you know s- just a decade and a half plus of experience, you know, in that area and and working on this stuff. So, uh, I'm excited about this, man. I think that this is uh, going to be really cool. A lot of lot of tools here, and just going to bring a lot of value to to churches. Um, so, once again, if you're a pastor, you're a church leader. Um, uh, I just really want to encourage you to check out, uh, www.measure.church and, uh, see if this could be a good fit for you. And Ryan, I even love your approach on there on the website. Cause when they get there, you're giving away some free resources that, that people can use. And you even say like, whether you choose to use measure.church or not, you know, here's some resources that can help you, you know, and then you will even point people to some of the stuff that's some free resources that they could use that are not even connected to you, um. you know, in any way. And so I, uh, you know, I just think that your whole approach there is really cool. And again, like you, like you mentioned before, you're not, this isn't, uh, something that you started because you're, you know, this isn't all about the money for you. This is about, um, you know, you, uh, really just being faithful, responding to something that the Lord put on your heart to, to bring value and to, um, help our churches and ministry organizations to just be a greater impact and um com- fulfill the great commission and and move people into more productive discipleship and and all that kind of stuff so so uh, yeah, well yeah anyway. and,
1: and duke I, I just need to thank you too because you know part of the, uh, the way our relationship kind of kicked off was you responding to a uh, just a, a random linkedin uh message i sent you saying hey i'd love to chat with you about something i'm working on and thinking about it. and as as a pastor um and, and a church leader get your feedback so um, I, I just want to thank you for going out on, on a, a limb and a whim and, and saying, hey, I don't know you outside of our LinkedIn connection, but, but would be happy to chat and give you my thoughts. So it, it's, it's conversations like those that I'm super thankful for, because uh, you know Measure.Church, what that's becoming, for example, is a direct input and a result of those types of conversations mm. that I've had. This is not just my brainchild. It's been bouncing these ideas and getting real feedback a lot of that from, from you as well. So, um, big thank you to you and, and, um, uh, just praying for your ministry and all you're working on too. And I hope this show is, is a, a blessing to many. Um, I, I think it's really cool what you're doing and, and just having kind of these unfiltered conversations and, and letting the spirit lead and, and seeing, you know, what comes of it. So I'll, I'll be praying that this continues to, to make traction and reach a lot of people as well.
0: Yeah. Well, Hey, I so appreciate you saying that. And again, I, uh, I love what you're doing. I Appreciate your time. Appreciate you being here. And yeah, I was super, um, super happy to connect with you when we first connected, uh, you know, a little while back. And and I was appreciative too for just being able to, you know, give you what you know what little input that I could on my end. And uh, hopefully that it was, you know, it helped you in in your in what you were doing and what you're putting together and all that. And uh, well, Ryan, really appreciate you again, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, to have these extended conversations, I I love because uh, you just you just brought it brought it up. So I'll go there. You know, the I, I love doing these in an extended way. Uh, I've been podcasting for a while and I've done some interviews in a different format in a different context. And you know, being sort of limited on time, I always felt like kind of kind of like stuck and kind of trapped. And like we had this like boom, 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 It had to just be this constant thing. But I think that when you just sort of let a conversation breathe a little bit and, uh, you know, have those, yep. you know, just kind of being able to 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 slow burn and, and talk and to just get into some stuff. We were kind of all over. We were talking we from <laughs> from uh, Lutheran theology to, you know. To what, we're, what we what we ended up okay. with here yeah baseball by the way i'm a uh, i'm a lifetime lifelong diehard yankee fan so oh uh, boy okay. so you know <laughs> well you know what's funny is people talk about mets i think if you
1: grew up in new york which i didn't then you're either a mets or a yankees fan and you hate the other one but i, I i'm not a yankee hater i might my, my yeah i'm not a mets hater the, hmm. yeah it's the national league yeast folks right the phillies and the Braves those are who i consider our rivals but uh the um, only thing of, I like
0: better, the only thing I like better than a than a Yankees uh, Red Sox game is a, Red, is a Yankees Met game. Okay, I, love I thought it. you were gonna
1: say the only thing I like better than a Yankees win is a Red Sox loss. Oh, uh, oh yeah. But, <laughs> well, no, that's a given. That's a given. <laughs> right. That's that's uh, uh
0: you know you gotta you gotta celebrate a little bit, but that's right. But no, I love. I mean, a Yankees Red Sox uh, game, I get really pumped about. But I love the Yankees. I love the Subway series, man. I just – I've always loved it so much. My dad was – he he was more of a Met fan than a Yankee fan. Um, He – you know, but we would watch – so we would watch both. I mean, I grew up watching both. I mean, if I had to choose, like – if if I knew the Yankees weren't going to play baseball this year, <laughs> then uh, it would the Mets would probably be my my backup team. So there's there's well, nothing of the Well, You're, you're a little there.
1: younger than me, so when you started really watching baseball, what what years would that have been?
0: Well, I was born in '86. I probably got into so you're baseball born in a great year, like mid '90s. World Series year. Okay. Yeah. So mid '90s. Yeah.
1: How can you not be a Yankees fan, right? With, with right uh, everything they were doing back then. So oh, I, yeah. I I, I yeah. mean. That that was an exciting time with uh, Jeter and and uh, O'Neill and and Brocious and you know O'Neill you know, oh yeah you can, you can go down the list of all those guys so yeah Posada
0: uh, like th- those golden yep. years man it was so good it's so much fun Vera
1: yep so awesome yep. well we could have a whole other podcast just talking about baseball if you want so yeah
0: you'll have to come back <laughs> you'll have to come back and we'll just and we'll just do that no but honestly I really would um I really would love to have you back on maybe once um. Once everything, like the, the stuff that is still in the works, once everything rolls out yeah. and launches and stuff like that, I'd love to have you back on and just get some updates on how things are progressing um, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, have some new listeners by that point that we can maybe point, you know, in that direction and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, uh, but yeah. again, thank you, sir. Really, again, just appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Once again, I'll mention it. You can check out Measure Church if uh, you're a pastor or a Christian leader and you're interested in some resources. Listen, I'll tell you, like that free guide that I downloaded on a, what what did you call it? The 19 points. 19
1: point guide and checklist to measure Nin- worship experience. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just say, not that it's it's about measuring worship experience, but I mean the the concepts there, the principles there, can be applied. To everything to, to so many yeah. things you know if you're building an organization of some kind uh, but anyway particularly if you're a pastor if you're a church leader um, check out measure.church Church. just want to encourage you one more time to check that out and uh, look into some of these resources that are being offered by ryan and his team at seven marches and um, yeah well awesome. everybody Thanks let's too. see today's thursday right so i'll be back again for the next episode here on monday at 12 central time yeah 12 central 1 p.m eastern time so i uh, hope you'll join me then um, this episode will be uploaded later on to spotify apple google all of the major podcast platforms so if you missed this interview or you missed a part of it and you want to check it out later um, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts all right thanks again everybody thanks ryan see you next time see you dude. Thanks again for catching this episode of Real Live Talk. For future reference, new episodes are released live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube every Monday and Thursday. And uh, these podcasts are uploaded later on to Spotify, Apple, Google, and most of the major podcast platforms out there. If you haven't done so already, if you'd consider subscribing and uh, if this episode blessed you or added any kind of value to your life in any way, if you're looking for a way to support the channel, you can do that again by subscribing, also by sharing and leaving a review. Thank you so much. Hope you have a blessed day.